Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Come on and put your money where your mouth is. That's what you get for waking up in Vegas. I don't know the line after that, to be honest, uh, but I love that song. I love the song, too. And we guess what? We are waking up in Vegas. It's waking up in Vegas week at Dark Night of the Podcast. This is actually the first time since we started the podcast that we are recording together in the same room. We're very close. <laughs> very close. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we have a view right now of the stratosphere. Grand. Grand view. On oh, the mountains in the distance. Yes, it's beautiful. But yes, this is our first time recording together. So it might be a little awkward. There might be some blips, some noises. But honestly, what better time and what better place than Vegas. Than Vegas. For us to have our first, mm. and certainly not our last, no. duo recording session. This is quite exciting. Um, I can already tell, Troy, that there's going to be a lot of moments of me breaking up where I normally wouldn't because I can now see your face. I know. And I can see I your, your side glances and expressions towards I'm try- me. I'm trying not to look at you because <laughs> I, know, be I, will, I will bust out laughing. Uh, but isn't that what they want to hear? They want to hear mm. joy and they want to hear gaiety. And I can't think of a movie title. Honestly, that serves a, a heartier helping of either. We're reviewing an unexpected title, but it goes perfectly with what we're doing right now, where we are. Yes, we uh, are. We because we, we wanted to have a Vegas themed month because we knew we've had this trip planned for a while, and so we knew we were going to meet up in Vegas. And we are here. We've had a blast. So we were thinking of Vegas themed horror films. I chose Hostel 3, which we'll be covering next week. Mm-hmm. Roger had the grand idea <laughs> to choose Leprechaun 3, which I have never seen any of the Leprechaun <laughs> films. <laughs> we're, we're not even, Troy has not even seen the Jennifer Aniston no. helmed initial leprechaun nor leprechaun too he's, ste- he's I, stepping out strong i broke my leprechaun virginity <laughs> with leprechaun 3 and carolyn williams uh but you know what i feel like watching the film like you really didn't have to see any of the other ones to dive no. right in because the movie just there's no plot really i mean it's, <laughs> it's just mischief it's just a leprechaun and- <laughs> trying to get his shilling back the whole movie in vegas in vegas and like honestly you know you hear a lot of shit about this title. I know you've heard it before even seeing That's it. why I avoided the Leprechaun series. I mentioned it last week. I'm not a fan of these types of films where the killer is like a wisecracking like <laughs> doll or troll or, you know, that's kind of why I lost interest in the Child's Play series after about the third one. And then definitely like A Nightmare on Elm Street after the third one, because they started to turn the villains into like these wisecracking comedians. And I'm not a fan of that. But I have to say, this little leprechaun won me over. 
he's got so much charisma. He has so much charisma, so much personality. He has a great pair of shoes. Those heels. <laughs> I mean, he's sidestepping in those heels. <laughs> and we're going to get to it. We're going to get to the whole shebang because, as you have all figured out, this week's title is Leprechaun 3. Leprechaun 3, live from Las <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> After a night of several martinis. Yeah, and you know, I fell asleep at 10, you fell asleep. 20 p.m. I don't even remember falling asleep, um, but apparently I did. <laughs> and now we're up and at them. Yeah. Um, yeah, folks, so here we go, Leprechaun 3. But we do want to mention the Patreon again. Of course. Oh, it's, you know, we have to get our Patreon shit up for April. It's already we April, do. what, 18? Oh, Lord. Um, so we'll be doing that. So check out the Patreon. We have some great stuff. Mm-hmm. We did notice one of you lovely folks Gave us another five-star rating because now we're up to 29 ratings on Apple Podcasts, Roger. And 28 of them are five-star. There's that fucking one three-star review. If we find if you, we're you going to fucking kill you. <laughs> we will come from <laughs> Vegas to your home yeah. and we will break your legs. But lovingly, uh, we'll just urge you to change the result. Uh, <laughs> but that, you know what? That three-star rating came a long time long ago time when ago. we first started the podcast. Then we know it was rough. The audio yeah. sucked. Uh, we hadn't got our groove. So hopefully you three-star person, if you're still out there listening. After we threatened you. <laughs> consider going and changing it. But uh, we need somebody to be our 30th five-star yeah. rating. So some, whoever does it, we'll, we'll give you a special shout-out. So screenshot yeah. that you gave us a five-star rating and you're our 30th one. And we'll yeah. give you a special little shout-out. Dirty 30. Dirty oh, 30. yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's a lot of special little things coming up here in the near future. We've got this Vegas trip. Pretty soon we've got... The Houston Horror Film Festival. It's getting closer and closer. I can't be any more excited. I think I may burst. Yeah, we do. That's July. And so, yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up. Yeah, reason to stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, the reason to stay tuned is, uh, is Leprechaun fucking three. I can't think of a better reason to be tuning into Dark Knight of the Podcast. How about you, Troy? Oh, I, gu- I guarantee people are, are waiting with bated breath for this episode, I would imagine. Yeah, so let's dive right in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've seen one Leprechaun, you've pretty much seen them all. And that's very true with what you said, Troy. This movie you can watch as a standalone film and not really feel like you missed anything. Mm -hmm. Um, There's only so far you can go with this character. But what he does, he does it well. And a lot of that, I say, you know, attributes to Warwick Davis, Willow himself, Playing this leprechaun, he certainly gives him a lot of fucking charisma. He gives him a lot of personality. He's always cracking jokes, telling limericks, <laughs> rhymes, mythical uh, rhymes, and so forth. Um, and he does it quite well. I enjoy watching him. I Yeah, I didn't mind him at all. I thought that I would be annoyed. I thought that I was just going to be rolling my eyes through the whole movie at the stupidity. But actually, I had a... I had a gay old time with leprechaun three I, I don't know so much that i would go seek out the other ones um maybe the first one but i know like after three didn't they get it ridiculous like where he goes to space yeah, and shit i mean did he i like to think that perhaps he actually initiated the <laughs> serial killer in space oh, phenomenon because i'm feeling like that may have come before jason jason x, x was what hmm. 90. Uh, yeah. Leprechaun in space. I, I I don't know. I haven't seen that one in a hot minute. 
Um, but I believe it's 1996. Okay. Because this is 95. Yeah. So if they took him to space, I'm just saying, if they took him to space before Jason, he he has a title that he's a a pioneer. He's a pioneer. (laughs) (laughs) He is groundbreaking in a way. Um, and for that, he should be recognized. He also went to the hood at one point. He did go to the hood. I mean, he covers a lot of ground, the leprechaun. He's all inclusive. Um, and even this movie, he's pretty all inclusive because there's some rather flamboyantly gay characters portrayed uh, over the, you know, this wide cast, and um, it's never really like insulting or anything, but it's definitely hinted at. No, it's not insulting. There are some. There are a few, uh, you know, jokes, ethnic geared jokes that you know. Looking back now, I mean, it was '95. We weren't as aware of of those types of things, but there are. You know, the the film starts out okay. So let's get right into it. The film starts out. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Vegas. I love Vegas one of my favorite cities in the world. So I'm very familiar with like the strip and downtown Vegas. So right away, I was just enthralled with the images of Vegas we get in the opening shots of the film. You get all the beautiful, you know, beautiful casinos. You get a shot of like the Westward Ho and the Stardust, Fremont Street. Unfortunately, those casinos are not no longer with us. In fact, Roger, we are staying at Resort World, right? And on this land is where the old Stardust used to be. Oh my God. It's like fate. It's fate. It's fate Fate. because the film opens with the Stardust casino sign. And we are literally where the old Stardust casino used to be. So right away, I'm like, oh, it's Vegas. I love it. I love it. And then you basically focus it on this pawn shop that is in a sketchy part of town because, you know, Vegas is known for pawn shops because people come here and lose their money and they have to pawn shit to get, (laughs) to get money to gamble. The pawn shop is owned by a stereotypical Indian gentleman. We are introduced to him and a elderly gentleman wearing an eye patch <laughs> and on crutches bursts through the pawn shop doors and has a big bag that he's trying to pawn. And what is it, Roger? Inside of this bag is what I would suspect to be a far heavier uh, item that they're making it out to be, but it's that damn statue of the fucking leprechaun wearing the necklace. And it is quite large. I mean, it looks like it's molded out of cement, but they're kind of flinging it around willy-nilly, no big deal. I want to point out that this man who comes busting through the door, not only does he have an eye patch and a crutch, he also is missing a leg, and he has a hook for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that, but this man's been through it. Whatever's happened to him, He's obviously been through it. He's exhausted. He's wild-eyed. His one eye is wild-eyed. And he basically is trying to sell off this statue of the leprechaun, which has this necklace on it. Where did he get it? Okay, so this is my only, this is my question when I saw this, because it just it's the film starts so abruptly with this guy. Is this like, did part two end with this gentleman finding the statue? I feel like we're seeing someone who's just along the Or he just found the, it. Has okay. had the coin. Now has managed to somehow subdue the leprechaun in statue form okay. using the power of that goddamn necklace. Because you know that necklace, it's like a, it's like a kryptonite. Yeah, to a, the leprechaun it's a medallion. It's yeah, that, that medallion. So that obviously he's been subdued, but this man has been injured 
quite severely from the looks of it. So he accepts a, a meager payout of twenty dollars. I'm sorry, but the necklace alone, I think, would get you twenty dollars yeah. here on the strip. It's a pretty grand necklace. Well, I mean, he the guy. He, well, remember, he initially offers him ten dollars, oh. and the guy's like, "No way!" And he's like, "Okay, here's twenty. And he this guy takes it and, and takes off. But he takes when, when he gets the leprechaun out of the bag. This pot of gold appears well first of all the leprechaun is wearing the medallion and before the guy that on the crutch comes or before he leaves he tells the pawn shop owner do not touch that medallion do not take it off what is the first thing the pawn shop owner does when the guy instantly takes the medallion off and it causes the pot of gold to appear the pawn shop owner starts taking the gold out and all of a sudden the leprechaun comes to life and immediately bites this gentleman's ear off it's quick. Like it's we're, quick. We're like maybe five minutes. Oh, in it's nice. And, <laughs> and the ball's rolling. And we get our, you know, we get our joke when the leprechaun bites this pawn shop's ear off and starts chewing it. What does he say? He says, "Ooh, I like my Indian food. It's so spicy. It's so. I can't. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slaughter an Irish accent, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of Irish accents. Oh my god, and they're all very bad. Let's be clear. I mean, not uh, Warwick Davis is obviously doing it up. To an extreme yeah. for this role. Aside from him, though, there is another specific take on an Irish accent that comes into play. Ooh, it's pretty rough. It's pretty hard to listen to. It'll it's about halfway in, in the movie that that comes about. But yeah. Um, so you know, right away we've got an ear removal. We've got a toe removal. Well, yeah, because the leprechaun <laughs> starts beating this guy with this little club. And biting his toe. And off. he bites his toe off. The, the pawn shop owner, though, he has the medallion and he accidentally, like, as he, as this leprechaun is, like, beating the shit out of him with this little billy club, he's waving his hands and he actually waves the medallion at the leprechaun and the leprechaun freaks out. So he realizes that the medallion is a protection from the leprechaun and he's able to, like, chase the leprechaun away with this medallion. <laughs> that is the moment where you see his little his little, his little heel. heel. <laughs> He takes it. Well, he takes his pot of gold and he runs out of the punch up. But he drops one of the one of the uh, gold shillings falls out of the pot, which causes a whole lot of mischief. Yeah, that's really the source of the mischief. If anything, is this lone this lone fucking shilling? Um, I want me shilling. Yeah, and he is talking about the whole goddamn movie because that's really the only plot point in this film, other than being set in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Is it is this leprechaun's sole mission is, is to get this, to get one, this, fucking this shilling. one shilling back. He has 99 other ones, but he wants this one yeah. shilling back. So now after this uh, pawn shop opening scene, we immediately cut to our female protagonist, I guess, Tammy. Tammy, played by a lovely Lee Montgomery, who never did another thing after this movie. This is her only credit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Poor thing. I mean, she- she uh yeah she she she's lovely to look at. She this. is lovely to look at, and she's not bad. She's I mean, not bad. She is though bogged down with some pretty bad dialogue at times. That I don't think any actor, no matter how skilled, could really make sound co- convincing. She has one line where she says, <clears throat> "Let me see if I can get this voice." Do you know anything about cars? Because this one doesn't work. Yeah, and basically the whole, everything she says reads like, "I'm a girl." 
what would I know about cars? Like, and that's like the extent of this character that we get. We do get a little bit deeper once we find out like a little more of her backstory, but she's pretty paper thin. That yeah, being said, she doesn't totally disappoint. No, and how old is she supposed to be? Do you imagine? I'm thinking like 24. Okay. She her car breaks down on the side of the road. She's she's waiting for someone to pick her up. She's hitchhiking. Cars are going by. We are then introduced to our male protagonist, Scott. Oh my god, he looks like fucking Pinocchio. He yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes he looks really cute, and then other times you're like, Ugh. This man has the widest eyes I've yeah. ever seen. Well, he he's distracted and he almost runs into Tammy and he has to swerve out of the way. And what is the most awkward, like almost car crash I've ever seen in my life? Well, uh, then he gets out and he's just like gawking at her. His like, eyes are lusting. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, I've never seen a woman before. <laughs> and then this is when he asks, this is when she's asking, do you know anything about cars? And so he goes to her car and it's a, her. she has a Beetle, right? Yeah. So he opens the hood and he's like, oh, you're missing an engine. <laughs> because Beetle's the engine is in the back. And she like snickers. She's like, oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to the back, opens it up, and he starts talking to her about her. What does he say? Have you ever blown a rod? And she's like, excuse me? And he's like, no, your rod, your pistons. And he's like, wait, you don't care about any of this, do you? And she's like, no. I'm like That, that would have been the point. I would have been like, okay, bitch, find your own way to work. Bye. I'm trying to help you. But no. No, I don't know anything about cars. All I know is I want to go home. Well, she's going to work. <laughs> yeah. So he gives her a ride to work. And she works at some little shady-ass casino called the Golden Shamrock, right? Of course it's called. Or is it the, the Lucky Shamrock? Shamrock. It- it is the lucky, lucky shamrock. shamrock. It's the lucky oh, it's shamrock. The okay, so this, <laughs> this is the first point in the movie where my knowledge of Vegas and where all the casinos are. This is the point where the movie started to kind of annoy me because their geography is not right. Like one minute they're driving down and you see like the Excalibur in the background. And then all of a sudden they are down on Fremont street and this is where she works. And then, but the geography is all over the place because there's points where they come out of her casino and you see like the Luxor. And then the next shot shot, you see like the golden nugget. These are nowhere near each other. So that's sort of annoying. Well, there's something to be said also for like, once you start to look at these exteriors, you informed me, Troy, that the exteriors in this film were all shot gorilla style. Um, And like, once you when you watch some of the exteriors because they're pretty brief, like it becomes glaringly obvious that they like really like yes. read out and picked these up like in a hurry because the actress that's playing Tammy <laughs> is <laughs> when it's exteriors, I, it is a blatantly different woman in a wig that does not even like remotely match Tammy's actual hairstyle and color. Um, but they're trying to like trick it. It's it's pretty glaring. I feel like because I did. I mean, I went on and read Wikipedia and IMDb, IMDb trivia and stuff. And one of the first things it says is they they really did not have the budget to, you know, use Vegas as a, you know, a heavy location. So what they did was, yeah, they they got the actors and they filmed all of the exterior shots of Vegas, basically guerrilla style. No permits, nothing like this was a literally a crew driving up, driving up and down the strip, filming the casinos, uh, putting the poor little Warwick Davis out on the strip and having him walk around and filming him and p- get people's reactions to them. But they did it all really quick, really girl style. And you can tell because I, I don't think, honestly, I do not feel like the bulk of this movie was actually filmed in Vegas. Like, I don't think that location that they use for the casino is Vegas. I could be wrong. But I, it just doesn't 
feel like it. This is the saddest casino I've ever seen in my entire life. It literally looks like someone's basement and they just set up some roulette tables and craps tables. There's no like, what am I? If, for, if your film is going to take place in a casino, I want the casino atmosphere. I want the bright lights, the, the huge, the slot machines dinging all. You don't get that with this. This literally looks like it was a makeshift, like, Oh, well, let's rent the local, uh, you know, Knights of Columbus hall and, and throw some, you know, ugly looking slot. Did you see the slot machines? Yeah. I mean, they're like, <laughs> they're like say jackpot, jackpot, jackpot. There's no lights. There's no nothing. I don't know. I, that was another thing about the film that I had had a hard time like buying the Vegas atmosphere because this interior of this casino is so bland. Yeah. I, one thing I, I guess I will say is they do try to play that into the story. Like the fact that the owner Mitch we learn is basically out of money and has like mobsters after him. And the casino is often described as like not being that great. So I feel like they tried to at least like make it a plot point that this location was like struggling for money, but it still is definitely a rather lackluster uh, experience. I I don't know if I'd say it necessarily felt like it feels like maybe like a living room, <laughs> like, but it, it's a rather large space, but it's just bland. I feel like they probably were able to they, get a really cheap casino in a smaller city mm-hmm. and they were trying to make pass it off for a Vegas casino and Vegas casinos, even their cheapest casinos still have a grandiosity. There's just no, there's no color. There's no yeah. lights. There's no decoration. It's just literally, a look. I'm sorry. It looks like someone, someone's Knights of Columbus Hall and they just put a bunch of <laughs> uh craps tables and it said oh this is our casino i mean you don't even see a bar you don't see anything yeah um but on the way to work scott's taking tammy to work we do find out she is a magician's assistant and he bless his heart is on his way to la to go to college so this kid is literally i'm what thinking like 18 years old right sure doesn't fucking look no he doesn't look (laughs) it and that's kind of why i asked how old you thought tammy was because there is a love interest that kind of blossoms between the two of them by the end of the film and i'm like yeah oh honey you're robbing the cradle they're good for you get get that young dick i mean yeah i mean hey as long as it's of legal age (laughs) go go hog wild Um, so while he's driving her to work, we do cut back to the pawn shop where the owner finds the lost coin on the floor and picks it up again, causing lots of mischief. Oh, the fact that this character, I want to state like they could have easily have just killed him off by this point, but this character sticks around for quite a bit longer and has his own like storyline that I do appreciate that there's not really a single character in this who at least feels, um, I wouldn't say any of the characters, no matter how small they are, feel underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. This character, like this cast is actually pretty well fleshed out, competently played. Um, even the weakest links, which I would say are the two leads, are still not like so bad they make my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Scott hits a few weak points here and there. But I've seen far worse. I saw a goddamn blood hook. Okay. Yeah. Scott is definitely no whatever the fuck that guy. Paul. Was his name Paul? Peter. 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 Peter from Bloodhook. No, Scott ha- has way more charisma um, and personality than that yeah. piece of shit. I-, I didn't mind Scott. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a blah character at times, but I still find him sort of endearing. Um, he's well-intentioned. Yeah. I'll give him yeah. that. yeah. I do appreciate that the pawn shop owner also has to go through the means of this like 
early 90s digital sleuthing because we've seen so many films at this point that there's like a scene where there's like time to take to the library to take to the internet to find out information on whatever the villain or source of evil may be and in this one he turns to like a children's life <laughs> like fantastical characters well no it's like it's it's a computer game it's a computer program that he has that you know, it's it's basically an an on it's a computerized encyclopedia of like fables and mythical characters. So he puts his little disc in, and it's one of these old you know if you're old like me and you remember like the old computers where you played like the Oregon Trail. It's very much like that. He put he puts the disc in and he searches leprechauns, and you get a whole like computerized history of the leprechaun and what they're you know. This history is extensive. It is. Like, this history, well, Troy, it, I feel, surpasses, like, the average basic knowledge of a leprechaun and very much starts to, like, tread into, like, the, this this leprechaun specific lore. Yes. Uh, because it is very much, like, honed in on key plot points that need to apply to this leprechaun as well. So it does seem like quite a forced device, but I also find it kind of endearing. Well, it also goes on forever. Like this is the longest computer program in history because it, it's playing through the whole movie. Like they come back people are coming in and out of this pawn shop and it's still fucking playing about the history of the leprechaun. And you're learning everything about them. <laughs> like their lineage. Like it is. Yeah. It's extensive. I got to say, of course this girl's working as a fucking magician too. Like, it's such a random plot point to have her working in this magic show. But once we get to this whole setup with this character of Fazio, Fazio. he's fun. He's fun. I like his how his story develops. We do get uh, a scene of the pawn shop owner. He is searching for the leprechaun for some reason. He's in the back room looking through for the leprechaun and the leprechaun finds a bow and arrow yeah. and shoots poor Gupta is his name because of oh, course it is yeah. shoots him through the arm with the arrow and Gupta gets a gun and tries to shoot him and he causes the leprechaun uses his power to cause the gun to misfire and he attacks this this pawn shop guy is put through the ringer from this <laughs> leprechaun he's jumping on he's jumping on him biting him and he shoves the medallion in the leprechaun's mouth and it causes like green puke and slime to like start coming out of this leprechaun's mouth. It's pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah. Some of the action scenes in this in general, I always, I go into this movie thinking it's going to be such a bad experience, but there are these moments that are actually like quite entertaining and well handled. And a few of these pawn shop moments, there's a few little struggles between him and Gupta and they go on for a bit, but they're pretty competently done. They're fun. Yeah, I don't mind them. I mean, like you said, they could have easily resorted to killing off the pawn shop owner like in that first um, opening scene of the movie, but they actually give him something to do. You know, yeah, he's kind of a character, but they they give him a lot to do. He, he's actually in the film quite a long time, which surprised me. In the casino, you know, Scott drops Tammy off at the casino and... He's like, oh, well, maybe I can come in to your show. And she's like, no, you need to go. Uh, you can't come in. And he charms her. And she's like, okay, I'll let you come in, but you can't gamble. You're going to come in. You're going to check it out. And you're, you're going to head. You're going to get out. You're going to head to LA. So he goes in. And of course, like any young person, he is enamored 
with all the casino games, even though these are the lamest casino games I've ever seen in my life. He's enamored. He even watches that priest playing craps with these, you know, beautiful women by him by by his side. It's clear, like right off the bat, that's that Scott has a gambling addiction. <laughs> like he walks in and his pupils dilate, and he like is taken aback. And yeah, he walks up to Father Bob, who is has women hanging off of him, oogling and googling and. It's just quite an introduction to this venue. Um, But yeah, immediately Scott is drawn to the idea of gambling so much that he reveals that he has a check in his pocket. His parents gave him for rent uh, and it's for like $23,000. (laughs) $23,000. And he is asking around where he can cash this check and he runs into Mitch and Mitch is the owner. And Mitch is like, are you even old enough to be in here, son? And he sees the amount of the check that Scott has. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're definitely old enough to be in here. Go up to the cage and they'll cash it for you. So Scott takes his tuition money and his rent money and cashes it out at the casino to gamble. It's a problematic decision. It's problematic because, A, he's 18 years old. You know, I mean, hello, you're not supposed to gamble. Which brings me to, we had this conversation. I'm going to bring it up. Why do people bring kids to Vegas? Oh my God. It is, seems it seems like a poor choice. No judgment to any of you who've done that right after I say it's a poor choice. <laughs> but um, I we, just feel like kids... Well, we had this conversation yesterday because we were you know, walking down the strip and walking through a casino. And while we're walking through the casino, little kids running in front of us, yeah. like just running through the casino. And I'm like, why... Would you bring a kid to Vegas? There's literally nothing for them to do here. This is the one place we can go and not have them. Yeah, well, they're here. They're I mean, here. They're infecting. They're mm-hmm. spreading like a virus. They're everywhere. I I just don't get it. And, uh, you know, I mean, Scott's 18. He's not a kid. But it just makes me, you know, question, like, why? If you want to go on vacation and you have children, go to Disney World. I mean, Vegas, you know, it's not the most kid-friendly place, especially with you know, all the porn shit that's around. Yeah. And... I mean, not again, I'm, people are free to raise their children the way yeah. they do desire. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, um, I definitely don't feel that I, either if I was a child, I would not want to be here. It's too much. <laughs> it's too warm. And if I'm an adult, I want to be free to make bad choices. Yeah. Bad choices such as stealing a leprechaun's lucky shilling. Yeah, and you know what? If you're 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 risking your kid being eaten by a, a leprechaun by bringing him to Vegas. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. And you know, you know, if you've brought your kid to Vegas, great. I just it's it's just an odd choice, I think. But hey, if you yeah, we just got we got sidetracked. We Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Scott cashes this twenty three thousand dollar check. In the meantime, great Fazio is setting up his show, and we are introduced to Loretta, played Caroline by Williams. Carolyn Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Let's take a minute to just talk about Caroline Williams, can we? Yeah, absolutely. Caroline Williams, you know, I've always thought that Caroline Williams is a rather competent actress. She is. Um, on her own freestanding, she's a rather competent actress. And this is a character that is written to be a bit of a stereotype. And she still manages to make this character one of the most, I would say, three-dimensional individuals Mm. in this film. Which I think is pretty hard to do, considering the material. Um, But she does a really great job with this role. She's so fun. 
Uh, they keep calling her fat. I know. I was going to say she, she is by far my favorite character in the film. Like I could watch her all day playing this character because she brings so much charm and charisma to the character and just little decisions that she makes as an actress are, are very interesting and just give the character just that much more depth. Yeah. But yeah, the right away, like when she, when, when this great Fabio is setting up his show, you know, she's like, Oh, are you wait? Where's your little sidekick? That, that, what's that floozy? And he's like, Oh, you mean Tammy? She's like, yeah, why do you keep her around anyways? And she, he's like, oh, because she looks good in the costume. And, and she makes this comment, you know, she's like, well, I'd look pretty good in it too. And he's like, no, you're you're a fat cow. I mean, everyone's called, and I'm like, fat she, cow. She, I'm like, she's a normal-sized woman. Well, like, they've got her in like fake but hanging tits and like ass, you can tell asses padded. Yeah, I'm like. But like, it's not enough to really merit like the harassment this woman takes um and she's i was like say, you're old and you're fat Shut yeah. up. and she just like she just takes it like but she's also confident which i like like she still like sticks up for herself i do find it very uh interesting that in a way i feel this movie parallels caroline williams own journey with plastic mm, surgery Lordy. um because i mean i love her but like she's transparent and honest about it she's had some work done and this character is very, very concerned about her overall physicality, her desire to be beautiful. And the outcome is just rather. Uh... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> bless her heart. I love her. Yeah. But yeah, she's. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely if you Google Google recent pictures of her. And yeah, I mean, hey, if it makes her happy, but um, she looks happy. a lot. She looks much different than she yeah. did. I mean, it's very apparent. I, you know, I, and I love her. I, I, I love, you know, she's great in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Uh, I mean, that's what she's known for. However, I do find that character gets a little grating with all the screaming throughout the second portion of the film. It's kind of the same issue that I have with the first film. It turns into, and I get it, you know, you're being stalked by a cannibalistic family with chainsaws. I love Marilyn Burns. I love Carolyn Williams, but their performances kind of get on my nerves becomes grating however in this film like i said i i find her very very appealing uh, i love this character i love her performance particularly when she starts dealing the roulette oh yeah which scott is spending his twenty three thousand dollars at her roulette table oh bless his heart he cannot catch a break and she is gleefully taking his money and gleefully although in a very subtle way she's encouraging him to keep playing well she's actually operating the table you actually see there's a button that she presses that has like i think like a magnet piece or something that causes the ball to go to a certain uh-huh, area uh-huh. Um, and so she she basically scams him out of all of his money but yeah she's still as you know, that's as is their job. She's still pushing him to keep gambling. Uh, and um, he becomes distraught. Makes sense. He just gambled away I mean, all he, of his tuition. He, he lost everything. He literally has four $100 chips left. He has $400 and he is freaking out. And she is like, well, you need to, you have, you have $400 left. You can still win big. What are you going to bet? And he's like, what am I going to bet? I don't have any money. And, he, and she makes the comment about his watch. He's like, but my grandpa gave me that watch. And she's like, hey, you could probably get some good money for it. There's a pawn shop across the street. So he considers it. In the meantime, inside the pawn shop, Gupta and the leprechaun are having a gay old time drinking some whiskey. They're right? like, they're 
hanging out, catching up. Yeah. Shooting the shit like old friends do. Until Gupta makes the mistake of offering the leprechaun the medallion for half of his gold. And the leprechaun's like, oh, you want me gold, eh? And he's like, yeah. And so the leprechaun agrees, but he tricks poor Gupta by hooking the medallion with a fishing pole and grabbing it away from him before Gupta gets his gold. So it was like a blood hook, like hat tip in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it keeps um, coming back to haunt us. And the leprechaun apparently is done with Gupta because he kills him. Yeah, in a rather lackluster fashion after all that Gupta's been through. I was really thinking he'd go out in high style, but he just gets choked out. Choked, yeah. Um, And just as he's taking his final breath, Scott barges into the pawn shop uh, and stumbles upon the newly deceased corpse of Gupta. And he calls the cops. He's like, hey, there's a dead body in here. Um, but he sees the gold shilling on the floor. He picks it up. Conveniently, at the same moment, this computer program is still playing. And it's the same moment where the computer program is, is telling the audience, whoever's watching it, oh, if you find a leprechaun's gold shilling, you have one wish. Oh, and like the illustration, like the person who like finds the shilling gets like soda pop and candy. Like, but I actually kind of like this little moment. It's well constructed. Yes, this this fucking (laughs) digital program is going on for far too long, but um, it's fun. It is a it's a fun plot development. They use it well. Uh, This leads into the uh, magic show, which is awful, which we all suspected it would be. Um, and uh, there's like five people in the audience and they're barely clapping. They look very unenthused. Well, we also get Scott when he, when he hears the computer program saying, if you find a shilling, you make a wish. And he has the shilling in his hands. Like, Oh, okay. Well, I wish I was back at the casino winning on a winning streak. Yes. And he's transported back to the casino and he's on a fucking winning streak. Yeah. Uh, yes. And Loretta is Taken by surprise. She is. And she even tries to use her trick where she stops the roulette wheel, you know, makes it go into a specific number, but it breaks. Like the whole mechanism falls apart and he is just winning every number that he bets on is the number that comes up. And we we get to see now that he's putting the gold shilling on his pile of chips and putting his hand over it. And it moves by itself to whatever number is going to come up next. This whole bit's fun. It is. I like it. And he ends up winning a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And everyone is shocked and surprised. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there's this blonde woman who like when the, first of all, let's be clear. The leprechaun has entered the casino. Oh, he's walking around Vegas. He sees an Elvis impersonator. (laughs) They're hanging out. They're doing the Elvis spin with the, the arm. Like he's really like making buddies here in Vegas. And he walks into the casino and nobody like but really. Every, everybody <laughs> thinks it's a costume. Well, even that though, they're like, "Wow, very small person." Like they all acknowledge he's very petite, but like they kind of just roll with it. But he walks up to the like the casino entrance, and there's this blonde woman, and like she sees him, and she's like, "Oh my god!" Like you even hear her like react, and she's like in the next three scenes, just in the background, like prominently featured alongside the leprechaun. I couldn't take my eyes off her. People are people are not very concerned that this leprechaun is just walking around town. Um, if anything, they're kind of like enamored with him. <laughs> like they yeah, like him. They let him gamble. They let him do whatever he wants. 
so Mitch comes to the roulette table because obviously he's losing money from Scott winning and he closes the table. And as he's, as Scott has taken his winnings to the cage, Mitch actually approaches them and gives them a free room, comp room, um, tells him to come back down in about an hour. At the same time, Tammy comes out of that lousy magic show and she sees Scott with all of his winnings and she tells him, what are you doing? You need to cash out and get the hell out of here. And he's like, no, I'm winning. He goes up to his room and she's like, go up to your room, stay there. I will come up and we will talk about what's going on. He does say to her, he's like, I want to give some to you. And she's like, uh, okay. I mean, we can talk about it. But right now, like, you need to go up to your room and just, like, stay there because people are going to fucking try to take that money. Like, she ain't stupid. The girl knows the people she works with yeah. and the caliber of individuals in this casino. One thing that we didn't really touch on, but Mitch has had a few scenes now where he's been talking to these two mobsters uh, who to, to whom he owes money. And this is, like, an, an ongoing side story, like, subplot that – is actually fine. Like it's it's competently played. These two guys have definite gay undertones. Oh yeah. Um. There's one who's like the muscle, and the other one is like the mouth. Yeah. And um, they're both pretty good. They're funny. Their little scenes are funny. They have a scene earlier with Mitch that was pretty well handled and pretty um dry in its humorous delivery. But it, they're good. I enjoy those subplots. They're just very minor. Um. The main thing we're really following at this point is everything going on with Scott now procuring this larger sum of money. And the whole reason that Mitch really doesn't want him leaving the casino is because he already owes so much money. Um, he's pretty fucked. I mean, yeah. he's going to be fucked. If he loses that much money through this kid, he's fucked. So he's trying to keep him in one place so he can win that money back. Well, in the meantime, you have uh, Fabio coming out of his show and Loretta brings him over to her and tells him that Scott, Keep an eye on him. He's going up because he's getting on the elevator. And she's like, he just won a hundred grand. And he has this coin that I want. So they're scheming to basically rob Scott of the coin and the hundred grand. Because yeah. Fabio's like, what, what room number is he? And that's exactly what happens. He goes up to his room. In the meantime, before that happens, the leprechaun is playing craps. Yes. Yeah, just at the craps table, shooting craps. Uh, Arthur and his sidekick Arthur is one of the mobsters okay and his sidekick are there they approach the leprechaun and tell him he has to beat it get lost and the leprechaun's like no I'm winning and he takes one of the coins and shoves it in I don't know his name it's his sidekick Arthur's sidekick's mouth and turns him into a slot machine basically he starts pulling his arm and all these coins start coming out of his mouth it's absurd but it's actually quite funny it's a cute little moment um that blonde's still in the background she's, she's the just background. gawking yeah i love her i love her but yeah i like this little scene obviously it's very much as with most of the sequences in this film very much geared more towards the humor yeah. than it is towards anything scare related but it's fun i do want to acknowledge there is a moment like a little bit earlier where the leprechaun <laughs> enters the casino i don't know how it's how we managed to float by this tidbit he comes into the casino. He runs into Fazio, who like makes it, uh, uh, makes this rabbit appear out of this box. He's and he gives it to that blonde broad, mm -hmm. a fake rabbit. And then he's like, "Let me do a trick for you, Leprechaun." And the Leprechaun's like, "Oh, I, me, laddie, or whatever." And so he puts his hand out 
something's supposed to appear in it when he pulls the the scarf back, and instead of it being like the magic trick, it's just like this blob of steaming green play-doh which we come to learn is like the leprechaun's feces like basically the leprechaun is shat in this yeah. man's head and he's like uh he's like uh, it's a uh, green and made at 9 a.m every day it comes out of my sphincter and that's where it lay or whatever the fuck he says i don't know but he basically like straight up tells him he's like i just shat in your hand man and the, the guy just like runs off yeah it's yeah he has a big old pile of green shit in his hand Okay, so now we cut to Scott getting ready for a shower. I like in this moment that like we are now very much made to believe that Scott is addicted to gambling. And he shows this to us by going through all the money he's won. And he's like, oh, money, money. Mm, yes, good. Good, money, good. Mm, he's smelling it like smelling it. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> like Rubbing it over his face. And it's like you could, I can't think of a like a less subtle way. <laughs> <laughs> for him to like gawk over this well as he's as he's getting ready for a shower he sh- you know uh fazio just enters the room yeah. i would imagine you'd be a little bit more careful a little more subtle he just barges right in and as scott's in the bathroom fazio finds his coin just as scott comes out of the bathroom and attacks him and it's really awkward because fazio like pushes him down and he's like Arr! and then as he's running out he turns around and does this like trick where he makes flames appear okay, so <laughs> so what what i'd like to believe is fazio who scott sees clear as day yeah. like he is quite obviously just there in the room he then turns presents himself in the doorway and throws like a smoke bomb <laughs> yes. to make it seem like he's disappearing <laughs> but like just, if anything it just makes him all the more obvious that he is the magician yeah. <laughs> because who else is gonna have the smoke bomb on them and then as fazio runs away the leprechaun comes in the room <laughs> like clockwork. Like as soon as Fazio's out of there, this goddamn little buffet cart yeah. waddles into the room <laughs> with the leprechaun. Uh, and the leprechaun knows that now that Scott has the gold coin and ju- leaps at him from across the room <laughs> and bites his arm. Anything with a little leprechaun leaping. Oh, it's funny. Oh, I, I this, this starts a trend in the movie of the leprechaun always being like one step behind the shilling because he always gets to somebody after they've lost the shilling yes. and he punishes them and then he's like I have my shillings not here and then he basically that's exactly that's, what happens everybody so he, he kills is not the person that has it no he's always a step behind because Fazio <laughs> just ran out of the fucking room with the shilling how did the leprechaun not see him run out of the room and sense <laughs> That he had a shilling because he's so short that he's by that buffet uh, cart that he didn't see. see. And also all the smoke, like the buffet cart just appears from the smoke left behind from the magical effect. It's so, it's, it's funny though. I like it. Like it, it, this movie very much at this point knows its sense of humor. Yeah. The leprechaun takes a bite out of Scott's arm. Scott is able to pull a steak knife from the buffet cart and shoves it into the (laughs) leprechaun's forehead. Yeah. And then proceeds to launch him out the fucking window. <laughs> well, first, first the blood of the leprechaun oh, oh, yeah. pours into his wound oh, it's green. and it sizzles, Ooh. but it makes it clear that the blood makes contact with him. And then yeah, he full on like catapults this very obviously a mannequin, but it, it really adds to the effect. Well, I love it. I love it as it's fallen down out of the window. You can tell it's a mannequin, but you hear, you hear his voice. He's like, oh, 
and then it hits the ground. Oh, you just see these little limp legs like <laughs> spinning around. It's so I want to know, like, so this is an indication that the leprechaun obviously can't die easily. Yeah. Like you have to, because I have, like I said, I've never seen these films. So I was like, okay, so this must be a, obviously you can't like kill the leprechaun by a normal right thing. like he survives a steak knife shoved through his forehead he survives falling out of a 50-story window and smashing onto the cement and he gets up and he's not smashed there's like no he's not hurt from falling 50 stories he's like next time i'll take the elevator and he pulls <laughs> he pulls the knife out of his head and he's perfectly fine Scott, in the meantime, calls hotel security to tell them there's a leprechaun in their casino. Listen, if you're going to call and report that kind of an incident, you've got to pick and choose your words or else people are not going to listen to you and they're not going to trust you. Because right off the bat, he's like, there's a leprechaun in my room. And they're like, oh, little green men. And he's like, yeah, little green men. And and you got to be like, listen, I was attacked by a very small assailant in a choice wardrobe, which we will discuss. And – after you got somebody and before that happened one of your employees was in my room robbing me and and smoke bombs he came out of fucking nowhere but they hang up on him yeah but he goes into the bathroom to look at his wound which is pretty him he has a big old chunk bitten out of his arm and he looks in the mirror and we see his reflection he's starting to turn into a leprechaun it is which i thought was an interesting i didn't expect it to take that route neither did i but i have to say out of all of like the the choices they make in this film i have to say that scott becoming a leprechaun is possibly my least yeah interesting the one i care about the least yeah i could watch warwick davis in those heels running around this town for hours do i really want to see the whole story arc of scott like fighting off the the leprechaun side of him and not giving into the lust for gold. Like, do I really care that much? I, I didn't know. Mm, no, I didn't care for it either because then it, you know, as he starts to turn into a leprechaun, his, his voice, he starts oh, speaking with Ira and he starts speaking in limericks and they're just not as funny or no. creative as the ones that the Warwick Davis is given. Yeah. So it just kind of falls flat. This kid um, is nowhere near the caliber of a performer. No. And, and not to say he's the worst thing I've ever seen, but he ain't great. And once you start really trying to hand off like the humor, the accent, the mm. accent, this is the accent I was talking about earlier. It is just awkward and not at all natural. So it just feels very forced. I agree. It's, it was probably my least favorite development in this film. I could have done without that, but I guess, you know, they, they have to make it, you know, they have to give some sort of oomph to the film and, and feel like they're they're giving you a twist but i could have done without it uh back at the hotel fazio goes to tell loretta that he got the gold coin but there was no money and she's like well give me that gold coin he's like no 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 we're gonna split it and she's like we are not splitting that he's like yes we are and she's like no you don't understand it has magic he goes, Loretta, darling, if you want magic, bend over. I'll pull a rabbit out of your ass. In the meantime, do what I tell you. Yeah. And that line, I want to really quickly acknowledge, <clears throat> it's quite clear that Fazio is a homosexual through a lot of things that are said over the course of the movie and how dramatic he is. Um, but there is a point earlier where Loretta says to him, Fazio, just the girl I wanted to see. And it's subtle little, little things like that that very much hint that this guy is a yes. homosexual. But they don't touch on it any more than that. But he's still a, a quite a large character in the film. 
Yeah, I, I she calls him girl several times. Yeah, like you know, like hey girl, well, well, you're just the one I've been looking for. Or she'll go into his dressing room and she she'll be like, look at me, girl. And I thought it was an interesting twist because he's not like flamboyant um, or anything like that. So it's like like it's kind of refreshing to see that um, character that is just subtly played as a homosexual. And there are some choices with like gay undertones that I wasn't really a fan of coming up here, but I like the way that Fazio is presented because it's not like nobody has an issue with it. So he wants to pawn the gold coin. She tries to show him that it's a magic coin by telling him to put it on any of the numbers on the roulette wheel. And when she spins it, spins it, that that the number is going to come up, but it doesn't, doesn't work because they didn't wish for it. Yeah. So she, he tells her to, to, to pawn the coin and as they're having this discussion, who walks up but Mitch? Mitch grabs the coin. He's like, I'll take that. That looks like gold. And she's like, no, that is my personal property. Give it back. And this is – he's like, oh, shut up, you fat ass. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this poor woman. She's not even that fat. Like, and he's a bigger man. And how in God's name is this meatball calling Caroline Williams fat? She even says to him, oh, who are you calling fat, you porker? He, he says, last thing I can stand is a fat broad with a big mouth, which does sound like something I would say to somebody. But like in this context, unacceptable. But I love that she sticks up for herself. Yeah. She's like, you're you're a fat pig. She's like, you couldn't get a woman if you tried. He's like, is that so? I could have any woman I want. And she's like, yeah, right. Who do you want? You probably want that bimbo Tammy. He's like, yeah, I could have Tammy if I want. And she's like, yeah, you wish. And he has the coin in his hand. He's like, yeah, I wish. And all of a sudden, Tammy is walking through the casino and starts feeling up on her goodies. She does. She's like, ooh, ooh, what was that? She takes her her jacket off. She's feeling. And then she proceeds to literally turn into a toddler. Her voice is like, oh, Mitchie. I mean, I do. I will say this. This actress, she's she's pretty good. She's not, again, not the best performer i've ever seen uh but she's getting the lines out but i do like that at least this gave her a chance to do something totally different um and then she's under the goddamn spell of an irish shilling like what more do you want troy the girl's (laughs) the girl's a leprechaun three but she does become enamored with mitch and she plays it completely differently from how the character is normally oh yeah portrayed which i think the whole goal was to show just how brainwashed she became when that wish went into you know when it was activated, fruition went yeah. to fruition. So, um, I, I I appreciate the fact that she just did something totally different, and she is ha- hanging all over this old. Oh guy, yeah, she, jumping up and down for him, shimmying. She, she walks up to him and she's like, "Oh, Mitchie, you're the man, just the man I want. I want you so bad. Let's go up to my room." And they they get on the elevator. Well, first, and- she says, "Take me right here on the floor." <sighs> like, like middle this old guy just starts railing this girl in the middle of the casino floor with caroline williams just like oh she's just watching in disbelief as they go up the elevator and while they're on the elevator she starts feeling him up slapping on him wanting to get rough tammy takes him up to the hotel room and she pretty quickly starts to display her love for physical abuse and dominance yeah she starts beating the fuck out of him it's an unexpected turn but we'll go with it she says to him she's like i want to make you feel it (laughs) okay tammy well he's all into it he he even he even's like here let me do it and he like slams his head against the elevator 
yeah, um, yeah. He does say to her eventually, though. He's like, "No more pain, please. No more pain." <laughs> Meanwhile, those two, Arthur oh, and his assistant. God, this is the. Yeah, they're having a moment together where they're kind of they're waiting for Mitch mm-hmm. because Mitch owes them money. So they're standing there waiting, and they start talking very gay lingo to one another about their ball sacks riding up their underwear and their ass cracks and everything. Like, well, the, like, the, the, the they're just standing there in the casino, and the the the, the muscle Arthur, he's like. So yeah, they're just standing there at the casino and the muscular one, Arthur, he's like, oh, my boxes are riding up my ass crack. And the other one's like, oh, that's why I wear jockeys. He's like, I like some support. And Arthur's like, oh, you like support? And he's like, yeah, a little bit. He's like, I can't wear jockeys. They make me feel like a sissy. Like, what the hell kind of conversation is this? Where is this coming from? Yeah, it is very strange. Strange selection. These two guys are kind of like portrayed as being dumbasses, though. So, like, for them to be having this dialogue versus anybody else, I guess, is like, okay, they're kind of like assholes. So, like, this fits hand in hand. So, I wonder if the intention, I mean, obviously the intention was to show that they're closet homosexuals, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's, especially with what the one guy says for his last line. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It is very weird because then Arthur's like, oh, and my socks are starting to fall down to my ankles. And the other one's like, that's why I wear those um, calf, calf socks and, and with, with a garter and Arthur's like, no, I can't wear a garter. That makes me feel like a sissy too. I'm like, also the way the muscular one like pierces his lips when he's like listening um, to listening to him talk. It's very like, yeah, it's all very, uh, very kind of like closeted queer. So do we think we're, do we think they're secretly fucking? I think that there's like a hint of lust between the two of them. So Mitch and Tammy are in his room. They're getting ready to go at it. She even does a little strip tease for him. Oh, Tammy strip tease. She's twirling oh, she, and shimmying. Yeah. She's got real talent in she, Mitch's words. She, he's like, I'm going to make you a star, baby. Yeah, thank God it's a spell. Because as soon as Loretta pops her head in, she steals the coin. She steals the coin and the coin is no longer activated for Tammy. And Tammy comes too and snaps out of it. And she's like, where am I at? Mitch? What'd you do to me? What'd you? And she starts freaking out and she like slaps him. And she thinks that Mitch like drugged her and brought her up to this room to rape her. And she even kicks him in the ball. She kicks him in the ball. She slaps him. And he's like, you dumb broad, you're fired. Meanwhile, to hit home that Scott's turning into a leopard. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> we see that he is developing a lust for, for potatoes. potatoes. Okay. So is this, do, do <laughs> Irish, do all Irish people just I mean, love potatoes? Well, well, there's one point that's all, the, all that they had. So I'm assuming that this is all that they had to select from. Uh, the, the leprechaun became developed, I guess, a lust for potatoes. I don't know, but that's what's just displayed here. He's ordering potatoes of all sorts, all gratin, baked potatoes, fried potatoes, hash brown potatoes. He literally goes to this restaurant and orders nothing but variety of potato dishes and the, the waitress she's got like a she also has like a heavy brooklyn accent she's like oh here's all your spats <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and he's like i ma'am the uh, the potato from the earth is a blah 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 he says like some j- like little jingle that ends up being something about- he makes up he makes a, a limerick about penis a penis all gratin yeah yeah it's it's weird, and he doesn't really pull it off in my book. No, well, she's like, oh, and the old penis all gratin, and she's like, oh, is that Metallica? She thinks he's talking about a fucking rock band, but he's making limericks about penises. And then he's like, why did I say that? Yeah, it's weird. So Mitch is upstairs, you know, still hot and bothered because he was about ready to fuck Tammy, so he's probably ha- has blue balls. Um, when a girl <laughs> appears on the TV, and this broad... 
this i mean this girl i feel like she also went out for the role of tammy but didn't get it but they're like hey but if you're still willing to show your knockers we'll get you in the movie this is the weirdest fucking scene i've seen in a long time so basically like the leprechaun is now making the move on mitch to get his shilling back yeah because he now thinks that mitch has his shilling yeah so we we as the viewers are treated to a sequence in which mitch starts talking to the television where this busty blonde is just showing off her <laughs> flapjacks and she full on samara morgan like style climbs out of the television and starts mounting mitch and like she's up on top of this, this guy was this before the ring because this is another hey this is another very ring very because ring. she crawls out of the she tv does. just like samara and i'm thinking hey okay so the leprechaun went to space before jason did yeah. the leprechaun had someone to crawl the tv before the ring although i think the mm-hmm. uh, the japanese version of the ring came out before this movie but i you know look at all the the influence leprechaun yeah had. he's the og man but she has some big milky yeah. breasts just she's bobbing. sandbagging all over him just she's like rubbing it rubbing him in her face yeah and <laughs> this damsel climbs atop him and she's mounting him and he keeps like on the TV. The the leprechaun is like running a series of commercials. It's all him, basically like warning Mitch of what's to come. Yeah, but he's ignoring it. And well, he keeps hearing his name, and she's like, "No, you're just hearing things." And she goes back to sandbagging him some more. <laughs> well, in the meantime, Scott has run into Tammy crying on the elevator, and he's like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm so over everybody. I got fired." And it, Ryle Scott, if he's like, we can't let that happen. We have to go back up there and confront him about that. I'm not going to let him do that to you. So they go back up to the room. Not quick enough, though, because as the leprechaun is trying to get Mitch's attention, he, this girl's still sandbagging him. And all of a sudden, the <laughs> leprechaun comes out of the TV, too. And he's like, oh, matey, I, found, I see you found your girlfriend. And all of a sudden, we get a shot. And now it's a robot. It's a sex robot with huge breasts. Okay, so here's immediately I'm going to pose my question, Troy. The leprechaun thought in his mind, he's like, okay, so this guy, his wish is for beautiful women. My conclusion is going to be to build a poorly constructed female android that will then proceed to electrocute him. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the solution here. Yes. This is the best I've got because this kill, like I think this kill really wanted to be something like straight out of a nightmare on Elm street. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking one of the later ones. Yeah. I'm talking like when people are turning into cockroaches and things like that, I feel like they wanted to go along the, those lines because her hands are all androidy and they have wires coming out of them and everything. It, um, it reminded me of that Bjork video. Oh yeah, all is full video. of love. Yeah, with the with the and but this one has huge, huge. Okay, knockers. so I love this. I love it because it's it's a robot. Everything about it is a robot except the very human breasts. <laughs> <laughs> it has like a dead expression, like mannequin face, and then these huge, yeah. puffy breasts. Uh, and she proceeds to like electrocute me. It's a very lackluster. Well, very I, lackluster death. He deserved yeah. something a little bit more. If you're gonna go full android. I'm, here's what I'm saying. If you're going to go full Android, you can't then just end it with like an electrocution. I mean, if you're going to do an electrocution, the wires from the TV could electrocute them. Yeah, All these other yeah, things yeah, could yeah, happen. Yeah. Do something Android specific. Like, I don't know, have those human like breasts part and drill through his eyeballs yeah, or something that smothering. seems like make it all feel like it has a purpose because all this feels like is like the, the purpose was to get the chick naked more so than anything else it wasn't to come up with, with a great android kill it was how do we get a pair of boobs in this for as long as possible even up to the point that we put them on the poorly constructed <laughs> android which felt very uncomfortable 
that did. I was like, oh, I don't want to see this. Um, but yeah, very. So Mitch's dad, he gets a really lame death. I feel like they saved a lot of the special effects budget for later on, but I feel like Mitch deserved to have a much brutal yeah. death, much more brutal death. Because he was one of the more the he's, main antagonists, yeah, I would kinda. say. I mean, he's still he wasn't played as a much of a dirtbag as I would expect, but still, I mean, right. eh. so Tammy and Scott go into the room and find him dead. And the leprechaun just pops out. He wants his shielding. And at the same time, they take off running. Arthur and his partner show up. They battle the leprechaun. They battle the leprechaun. The leprechaun stabs Arthur's partner in the eyeball with a, what is it, a, a cane? Yeah. Pulls and pulls the eyeball, eyeball out. out. It's very, very bad effect. Very bad, yeah. But, and then just proceeds to like beat the shit out of him to death with his little club. And <laughs> as Arthur is dying, he looks at the leprechaun and his last words are, what was Judy Garland really like? As a fan of Judy Garland, I love that she got a hat tip in Leprechaun 3. But that being said, why would he ask a leprechaun what Judy Garland Because he's the he looks like a munchkin. Oh, oh, it went over my head. You, you didn't was, get it? I did he's, not he's get like, it. He's basically saying, like, what are you? Okay. Are the munchkins? Are I did not. Nope. Okay, right. That went over my head. And I was like, make why? it hit that much better it's, now. Now, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I was laughing, I would laugh louder if I was laughing. Okay, I get it now. Okay, so that was funny. Although now we, I mean, that was our final indication that he's gay. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Gay. Because what straight man wants to know what Judy Garland was like? And even the way he says it, he's like, tell me. What was Judy Garland really like? <laughs> like, it's very much like his, like, oh, <laughs> his, his big finale. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say, like, it, well, the, I don't think this movie necessarily really goes off the rails. It does start to fall apart a bit at this point, um, <sighs> around the point where Mitch dies and everything, because that death, well, it's a fun buildup, and there's lots of boozles in it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really, like, hit for me. Uh, and after that, it just kind of feels very, like, scattered um i feel like a lot of times this movie does lose its footing but i don't think it ever completely falls off the tightrope no i don't get i know i i was not bored at all with this movie i just wish yeah the point where scott starts turning into the leprechaun is the point where i kind of like uh you know i really wish they would have went with a different direction and i keep i want to go back to it i would have been more visually engaged with the film if the setting was more visually engaging. I just, it's really hard to, uh, you know, take this film seriously as being Vegas when the primary location just looks so bland. Yeah. Like, why would you put your, you know, I mean, at this point, this is the third film in this series. You know, I'm assuming Leprechaun had been pretty established with one and two. Uh, I haven't seen either one of them, as I mentioned, but I'm assuming, okay, they they, they did well enough to have a third one. You're going to take your, you know, antagonist who is this larger than life character and put him in Vegas, but then make it look like a least amount of of, of Vegas as you possibly can with the exception of a few exterior shots of casinos. I just, I I wanted to see like the leprechaun and like a grand casino wreaking havoc. And it looks like he's literally in someone's basement. Yeah, I I agree on that. I feel like with a title like this, you do want to see more of the splendor. And I think it's pretty clear they didn't have the budget for that. But it doesn't seem like they didn't have any budget because some of these sequences are pretty grandiose. Um, It just never lives up to, I think, the the visual heights that you would anticipate from any movie with such a a concept, taking it to Las Vegas. Yeah, I agree on that. 
Um, outside, Scott and Tammy are outside, and he is he's transforming into a leprechaun right before her eyes. Like he's getting his his face is starting to like get the sharp sharp features with the ears, and he has like his hair starting to grow out of his face. His sideburns are very fake, they, and they're now long they're, and shaggy. They're now long. They decide to go back to the pawn shop where they think this all started to find some answers. And they easily just walk right in. There's like caution tape okay. everywhere. Yeah. It's a crime scene. It's a crime scene, but the cops are already gone. There's no cops there. They're gone. They they picked up Goopa and left without even investigating or, or gathering any evidence, apparently. Um, Loretta now has the shilling. Yeah. And bless her heart. You know, I mean, she gets called fat throughout the whole movie and ugly. So her one wish is that she wants to be beautiful and sexy again. They play this... <laughs> unusually like genuine yeah and it's it's sad because she actually like her eyes kind of tear up yeah and she says like for once i i want to be beautiful i want to i want people to notice me and it's sad but the way she plays it but she was never ugly like my thing is okay she makes the wish to be beautiful again and then we get this scene of her strutting out in her little sexy blue dress she's lost the you know they they took out the fake butt so now she's all slim and slender now she has short hair. I actually think she looks better at the, throughout the rest of the movie than here. Oh, yeah. I agree. The shortcut wasn't doing The shortcut does not get, do her any favors. I'm sorry, Carolyn Williams, but I thought you were gorgeous throughout the rest of the film. When you show up in your little blue dress, yeah, you got a knocking body, but mm, that hairdo and yeah. mm, just not doing it. It was, it was a strange selection. Um I just think they cast somebody who wasn't frumpy enough. Like she's exactly. great with the character, but this character was supposed to be somebody that reads really heavy, really frumpy. And Caroline Williams is just too attractive and sexy yes, to begin with. I agree. To really feel and this I, journey. I feel like I totally agree with that because her reveal of, of being like the sexy vixen now to me falls flat. Yeah. Because she's never ugly throughout the rest of the film. And I actually prefer her with the longer hair. And, you know, so I, I, I'm not saying the role was miscast because, I, like I said, I love her in this film. I love the charisma she brings to it. Um, but, yeah, I see. They the, needed to do more. In that sense, she was miscast or they should have frumped her up yeah. way more throughout the rest of the film so that her sexy reveal had more of an impact. Because she, when she walks in the casino, I'm like, oh, okay. She's in a new dress. Her legs look great. She's I'll in a new that. dress and short hair. Yeah, and she's like shaking her tits all around. And she's in it. Like, I mean, Lorraine is, if anything, she's just more self-obsessed. Like, now she's like gawking over herself to the point what? that uh, Fazio grabs the coin and like runs off. Like, <laughs> steals it, and she starts to fight him, but then she's like, never mind. There's a mirror here. She's so sexy, Roger. She transformed so much that you actually changed her name. You said Lorraine. Oh, it's I Loretta. Said Loretta. 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 Lorraine. Loretta. Lorraine. Loretta. That's, that's her. That's her new beautiful name is Lorraine. Lorraine. Because Loretta, sweet Lorraine. Loretta sounds like an old woman, so we're it gonna does. call her Lorraine. Her, the sexy, sexy <laughs> Carolyn Williams in this film is Lorraine now. But yeah, she goes into she goes into uh, Fazio's dressing room. And she's like, "Oh, girl, get a look at me." And he looks at her and he's like, "Ooh," but he even doesn't seem that that he's like, "Okay." Well, he's gay. I he's mean, gay. He's, he's like, he's okay, like, go, I guess, girl. I guess you look good. She's like, feel this ass, rock hard. <laughs> she's like, look at these tits. He's like, okay. He grab, yeah. He grabs the shilling and runs away. Yeah. And she goes to chase him. But yeah, she's like, man, eh, okay, whatever. There's a mirror in here. I can, um, I can admire myself. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it doesn't 
last for very long because oh. the leprechaun shows up wanting his shilling. God damn it. Now that somebody <laughs> else has the shilling, he's like, he's always a step behind. Um, I enjoyed seeing Loretta take on this new uh, persona of being confident. I would have loved to have seen that explored more than just the shallow, like, I'm beautiful. Yeah. I'm sexy. The whole world's going to love me. Like, that's all she really gets before the leprechaun does, like, rise up behind her in the reflection of the mirror. And they have this whole moment where he, like, basically threatens that he's like, I'm going to give you everything you want and more. You want big tits? Watch them grow. <laughs> like, but he does it all in rhyme. He says some limerick. He's like, bigger is nice, but jumbo is better. Or something about her boobs. And yeah, he makes her boobs grow, grow enormously big. Oh, I mean, what a painful death, though. My God. Then he makes her lips start puffing oh, up. Huge lip. Her lips become like 20 times the size of normal lips. They look like. And then her butt starts growing. It's definitely the standout kill. It in is the, movie. the standout kill. And it's the, it's the most, probably the most painful. And I'm like, why are you giving it to this particular character who is. The, the, you know, the character I think all of the audience is probably going to feel like is the best character. She, she gets, um, she definitely gets the most brutal, elaborate death. But yeah. it's so fun to watch Carolyn Williams waddling around with this huge ass, these <laughs> huge big tits, knocking, knocking, <laughs> knocking holes into the wall as she's running through her hotel room to the point where she gets ballooned up so big that she fucking explodes well first she gets stuck in a doorway so she's unable to move and then yes then she does blow up uh in a in an effect that's both effective and also like a little bit misses the mark because like when she explodes she looks like she's made out of like clay yeah like it doesn't look human it looks like paper mache it does however it's still a really good effect so i don't want to take away from it but like you see, like, blood hit his umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> and he has, like, a very little comedic moment. Uh, but I will agree, like, I wish this character... I either wish this character had a little more time to base and develop more uh, before they would have given it such a big kill. Uh-huh. Or I wish that they would have opted to maybe give another character a little more t- of her traits. Because I feel she, she's so fun to watch. Yeah. And then she has this last moment where she's very much just all about herself. And then she just dies. And I would have liked to have seen this character get some more screen time just because she was so much more charismatic than anybody else in the film. Well, yeah, because now we're basically stuck with the rest of the film with Tammy and Scott as our the ones to root for. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't mind either one of them, but they are, neither one of them are the most engaging characters in this film. Like all oh, no. of the secondary characters are much more uh, developed, engaging, yeah. humorous. I mean, they try to, they try to give Scott, turn him into this leprechaun, which comes into play now because after poor L- Lorraine, Loretta, sweet Lorraine, sweet poor Lorraine. Loretta. Yeah. <laughs> after her death scene, we cut to the pawn shop and Scott, God is literally going into full leprechaun mode now. He wants he wants gold. Tammy's like, no, we need to get out of here. And he's like, no, I want me gold. And she's like, you, she's like, you got to make a decision. Are you going to do this again? Like she basically <laughs> tells him, she's like, cut it the fuck out. And he's like, okay, fine, my apologize. Like, <laughs> well, she finds the medallion and like shows it to him, and he freaks out. And she's like, we need to get the hell out of here. And he's like, no, I smell me gold. And he literally. <laughs> Smells the gold to the safe where the leprechaun has it hidden. Yeah. And he, he uses his magic powers to open it up mm-hmm. and he takes it and he's thrilled with it. Yeah. And she wants to destroy it. And he's like, no, you're not touching my gold. If you touch me gold, I'm going to 
he, he basically threatens her. Yeah, this is when she she's does she slap him? Yeah, she slaps yeah. him and shows him the medallion. Yeah, she's not fucking around. I do like that Tammy grabs the bull by the horn sometimes, and she's like, "Listen, motherfucker, I don't give a fuck what." magical spell you're falling under what species of leprechaun you're becoming yeah like we're getting this done tammy is a no-nonsense kind of girl well he does yeah he says to her if you take my gold you won't live to be old that's his threat yeah some of oh my god some of his rhymes are so <laughs> they're so stupid horrible compared to um warwick davis who is just I, I spitting wonder, them out left yes, and right. i wonder if they let him like ad lib Oh, I'm sure I, they should have gotten his assistance for <laughs> Scott's delivery because his limericks are not nearly not as nearly. humorous as. Um, so guess who shows up? Leprechaun, and it starts attacking them. Scott though she throws the shilling across the room, and the, the leprechaun goes to get it, and Tammy's able to grab the medallion, and they run off, and they take him to the hospital where he is literally like, I mean, he, he looks disgusting, like his body is turning like grayish green. His facial features are all fucked up. Now hair is growing out of everywhere. And I love this one, this poor bra, the, the, the doctor, the woman that plays the doctor, she yeah. is milking every fucking second of screen time. She has, she runs up and she's like, Oh, Oh, get him to isolation immediately. <laughs> and then like the other doctor comes in and cause it keeps cutting back to him going through it, uh, becoming a leprechaun. And it cuts to the other doctor, and he is comes up to him. He's like, "I have a very important question for you. Uh, it's going to very much like yeah. you know, this is going to very much determine the amount of help we can give you. Do you have insurance? <laughs> like, it, like there's a, like a series of like very like intentional jokes lined up here. There is definitely a statement about the healthcare system being made. Yeah, that I did not expect this film to kind of go there, but I actually appreciated it, and it's actually really sad. If you think about it, because this is 1995, this film is what, almost 30 years old and nothing has changed. (laughs) I mean, literally with our healthcare system, nothing has changed. I mean, I think this film was kind of poking fun at the fact that the United States healthcare system is so fucked up that that's what they're going to care about is do you have insurance? Because if you don't, there's not much we can do for you. Uh, And then there's a a running joke with these doctors coming up as well um, because they take Scott to uh, isolation and they start to like cut off his shirt and they see his whole body is transformed. The leprechaun in the meantime, (laughs) are these people, how does nobody notice this? The leprechaun has found a small, (laughs) a little leprechaun, a leprechaun sized doctor's outfit like scrubs but they're all pink and he, atop his like little irish hat he like has a like a, a doctor's cap on his cap yeah. like as if nobody notices the pure size and stature of this entity they also overlook the fact that he's wearing like a little irish like bowl cap on him on his head and so he just waddles in no big deal people part for him to let him through <laughs> like he's just on his way yeah they just let him go and he I, he goes down to the morgue uh, for some reason, and the coroner's down there, and you hear him. You hear Tammy's out in the waiting room, waiting for Scott. And you, all of a sudden, you hear the leprechaun get on the get on the speaker, and she's like, "He's like Tammy, whatever her last name is. What was her last name?" He's like, "Tammy, report to the morgue, please." And she's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and what does she do? She goes down there, like as if you can't tell that this fucking person over the speaker has a very distinct Irish accent. How many Irish people are you going to find in Las Vegas working in these hospitals? 
Well, in the meantime, the doctors have run some MRIs and EKG, EKGs on uh, Scott. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like standard basic Irish like imagery, like images of like literally like stamp marks of leprechauns like jumping in midair. They're shamrocks. His <laughs> MRIs come back with shamrocks. And oh, the one comes back and it says fuck you, but it's in written it's, it's written in shamrocks. The letters are the are formed with shamrocks. And the, they are baffled. <laughs> they are baffled. And the doctors then find in his clothes, they find his money, his hundred thousand dollars. And they're like, ooh, we need to order more tests. Order all of them. Order tests. all of them. <laughs> Because he has the money to pay for him. So they start ordering all these other tests for him. And as they're ordering the tests, he does start to come to and seemingly goes full leprechaun for a moment because he gets free from the bed and starts just attacking all of the doctors and nurses. Now, I will say it doesn't seem like he actually kills them. He doesn't kill them. No, he doesn't but kill them. But he does sedate them. all of them he's through either drugging them or using that gas. Well, <laughs> he kisses the broad the female doctor and she goes unconscious i don't know he did something i don't he's yeah he doesn't kill any of them which honestly roger i would have rather they yes die. i would if, if he if he, if you're gonna turn him into a leprechaun like and the leprechaun is the main um protagonist in this film or antagonist in this film and you're turning a character into a leprechaun let him kill some people yeah but oh, no absolutely he doesn't he knocks the broad out by kissing her and then he puts the f- gas, the funny gas, on the male doctor and knocks him out. And while the male doctor is, like, starting to doze off, he accidentally stabs his insistent in the butt with the needle that has the uh, sed- sedative, 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 sedative <laughs> in it. So everyone's knocked out. So he proceeds to go down to the morgue where Tammy has gone down there and she finds the coroner dead. He has all these hospital implements stuck in his face it's a nice little reveal for a film that's kind of gone off the tracks as a horror Mm -hmm. film like finally we do have a reminder like yes people in this will die yeah the leprechaun immediately straps her to a gurney um and scott in the meantime he's gotten loose and the leprechaun is getting ready to slice tammy up he says he's gonna slice her from head to toe right he plans to cut her nose off cut her nose off and then slice her the rest of her body into some fine meat. As he's as he mounts atop Tammy's face, preparing to cut her nose, Scott busts in the room and it unleashes this great one-liner: "Cut her nose and I hack off your toes." And I couldn't have been less impressed <laughs> at that point because this kid is just this kid cannot keep up with Warwick Davis. No, and they're like the leprechauns, like I want me shilling, and they tell him. We don't have your shilling. Fazio has it now. So the leprechaun's like, oh, God damn it. Causes the fires and then takes off. Takes off. He's going to go get a shilling. So uh, Tammy's free. Uh, and Scott runs over to her. They have a moment. We have to acknowledge, I forgot. When, when Scott gets the shilling from uh, Loretta, he does make a wish on it. He wishes that he is, is the best magician in the world. Oh, oh! For, you're saying for Fazio? For Fazio, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fazio, I said Scott. No, Fazio wishes he was the best magician in the world, and it's apparently come to fruition because his game has been upped severely. Oh, the, the, the set alone, the costume, the place is packed. Yeah, his costume is so much gayer. It's got it looks like something off of a Stevie Nicks tour. He has a, a sensible lesbian-looking assistant. Yes, you know? he's upgraded everything. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's about to do a, a trick which he discussed uh, at the beginning of the film. He mentioned wanting to do something called the burning beauty, <laughs> in which he lights a box on fire with a beautiful woman inside of it. Um, when he tried to do it earlier in the well, film, he just started to burn the box. Yeah, well, Tammy, uh, Tammy, you know, said she doesn't want any part of that, which I don't blame her. Um, so he he isn't able to do it. But now this broad, now that he's the best magician in the world, he can do burn the beauty. However, his show is interrupted by the leprechaun <laughs> popping out of the box. This leprechaun has so much stage presence. People are like always enchanted by him whenever he comes about, and understandably so, because he starts he's dressed in a cape and he starts like <laughs> participating in the magic show alongside Fazio. Uh, he pops out of the box, and pretty soon he's up on the stage with them. They make digs at each other for a bit before he transports Fazio into the sawing box uh-huh. and then proceeds to get the crowd <laughs> like to chant, chant his death. <laughs> chant his death before taking a chainsaw <laughs> and sawing Fazio in half in front of the audience as they, as they realize <laughs> real quick that it's not a joke and you, you get like some of them looking on in disgust. But none of them actually run at first. No. They just sit there shocked as the leprechaun like saws through this man, killing him. The last thing he says is Caesar's Palace because that's where he wanted to perform. And then he presents to open the box and like proudly present his innards. And the audience is just, oh, there's no screaming, but they're still not running. They're, they're horrified. Just there. they're, horrified. They're, they're just so shocked by it. So Tammy and Scott show up and they basically announce for everyone to run. And then the chaos begins and everybody in this casino starts just spilling out of the building. And there is a really fun shot where you just see all of the extras booking through yeah. this casino, knocking tables knock and ta- over, knocking slot machines, jumping down. over tables. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And now there is a showdown between Scott and the leprechaun. The leprechaun starts literally launching people, like, like, like using his powers to like lift waiters in the air and just throwing Throw them. them. Like it's, it's pretty funny. And their final showdown basically consists of the leprechaun trying to entice Scott to come fully to the bad side by promising him the pot of gold. Yes. He's like, if you kill Tammy and you come to, if you come to me, you can have me potty gold. It feels like such a very like cliche, typical final showdown, like Mm. ultimatum. And it doesn't even last that long. Like I would, if you're going to do that, like actually make him consider it. Yeah. A lot longer because it adds more suspense. But he literally is like, oh, and all Tammy's like, is Scott, you don't want to do that. And he's like, oh, you're right. Well, and like, again, Scott is not the strongest performer in this film. So when he's like standing there contemplating it, he's like dead face looking towards the camera. And then he's like, no, I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I'm better than you. And it's like, oh, it feels just like such like a. lame note to end things on when you've got this charismatic like absurd over the top fantastical entity as the antagonist if your protagonist isn't like at least close to that then it makes it feel for kind of a letdown when they get the better of him you know what i mean because that's what happens they end up actually defeating the leprechaun they do that because scott decides he's not going to join the leprechaun and what he does is he takes a flamethrower the flamethrower that we were going to use to light the the beauty on fire with, and he proceeds to flamethrow the pot of gold, and instantly, in a, what is actually a rather cool effect, the leprechaun bursts into flames <laughs> and 
launches up into the sky <laughs> as though he's been caught up in like a heavy breeze but it looks really cool um and he's burning up in the middle of like the it's it's in front of like the vegas skyline too isn't it yeah and then he just yeah. collapses on the floor in in ash in like ash. he is blatantly defeated he's blowing away in the wind and there's a moment where scott like rehumanizes and he and tammy embrace they embrace and they leave the casino and on the way out, Tammy has found the shilling and she asks Scott what they're going to do with it. They can make a wish. They could do whatever they want. And then she's like, you know what? I think I've got everything I want right here. Oh, Jesus. And then he makes a line to her that seems so like anticlimactic. Yes. Where, I mean, first of all, let's keep in mind, they've only known each other for less than 24 hours at this point. And, but he says, uh, what's the famous line? It's He's like, like I, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And yeah, and it's like, and it's obvious she's hungry for for his eighteen year old cock, yeah. and that's all he can come up with. And now he's so traumatized by things. I mean, by you know having become a leprechaun, going through all of these horrifying experiences alongside this woman, that he's now I think at a place where he is unable <laughs> to uh, reciprocate those feelings, and he's shell shocked. And so now he's being forced into this unhappy romance <laughs> that, that that I don't know if the next movie ever touches on it, but I bet you anything come the next movie. These two are not Are they together. Are they in the next movie? They're not. Oh, but okay. if they were, well, I bet Well, they went they to could. LA. I'm sure they just went to LA and... I mean, they got all that money he won. He got $100,000? I mean, unless he left it at that hospital, which mm -hmm. I do not want those doctors getting that money. No, 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 no. But one thing to point out is, like, this ends with them just, like, walking off happily and then, like, some bad... <laughs> Like digital Irish flute, flute music, yeah. which is the score of the entire film, by the way. Digital Irish flute. Uh, anytime there's anything remotely comedic, you hear like, <laughs> like <laughs> but um, yeah, and that's the, the note we end on. And it very much seems as though the leprechaun hath been defeated. Apparently not because there's other movies, right? Right. Including Leprechaun in Space. space. And Leprechaun in the Hood. And then there's Leprechaun Origins. Didn't that just come out not too long ago? Yeah, I think that was the first time Somebody's it's not said, been I, I remember he, I remember hearing how awful it is, though. I think they tried to go drier with it. And like, I wonder, like, can you go drier with this character? There are some characters I think you could. Like, a you know, a Leatherface, for yeah. example. Just keep going drier with it. Less humor. This film, I think, kind of, in a way, needs that humor. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make a movie about a killer leprechaun, I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, and the, 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 I, I, as I said, this was my first soiree into the leprechaun franchise. And I, I, will you come back time. to, will you come back to visit sometime? Yes. You know what, Troy? I will say, I think that you, I know you've avoided seeing this series, but now that you've realized it's not as, detestable perhaps as you anticipated i really think you would enjoy leprechaun the initial original i'm gonna leprechaun. watch it. i'm gonna watch it i think we should review it eventually yes because jennifer aniston deserves to be in a final girl more often in my opinion that hair <laughs> she's got a strong jaw i mean she looks like she's ready to fight uh, at all times and i think that she's just really good in the role she makes for a fun final girl and this has this had not fallen that far into the realm of like cracking 
this level of humor. Uh-huh. You know, like there were still jokes. Like he was still a joker, telling riddles and so forth. But it's nowhere near as extreme as this. This is again very similar to kind of like what we saw from Freddy yeah, yeah, with yeah. his final films. Um, I think that the first movie is pretty fucking fun and enjoyable. So eventually we're gonna have to touch on that one because it's worth seeing. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out. I will definitely watch it. I I enjoyed this. I, I mean, it's just a fun like popcorn flick. You sit back, you just have a lot of fun with it. You know what you're getting into. I think yeah. uh, as the film starts, it's pretty obvious what you're getting into. So you just go with the flow. Yeah, who would have thought that we'd walk off of this one yeah. talking so fondly I, of I, it? I liked it. I thought it was a fun. I mean, is it a great movie? I don't know, but it's fun. I mean, yeah. sometimes you just want you want to watch a movie for the entertainment value of yeah. it. And I mean, you cannot deny that this film is entertaining as hell. So, I mean, that's, Hey, that's all I need at some points, you know, um, you got Vegas, you got a killer leprechaun. What more do you need? Speaking of entertaining and speaking of Vegas, we're going to keep the theme going with our next uh, title, by the way. Yes, we will be back in, we'll be back to recording remotely. You know, we're, we're, I have, I have one more day here in Vegas. So our next episode, we'll be back to being in different states recording, but we have a fun title. Yes, we do. And we are we are kind of keeping the tradition of Vegas and then also a third in a franchise. Uh-huh. And we are going to cover, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I said it was my pick, Hostel 3. Sounds like we just hit a jackpot. Really. Yes, oh. because we chose it, you know, I, we chose it because, or I chose it because it takes place in Vegas. Um, you know, and it really tried to do something a little bit different, take the franchise somewhere else because, you know, the hostel one and two take place in Europe, Slovakia, Slovakia, Europe. Yeah. So hostel three, I thought was a kind of a neat little interesting way to bring the series to the U S and set it in, in Vegas. And I haven't seen it in quite a long time. Uh, so I'm interested to check it out again. I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember if I liked it when I saw it. I can't remember anything about it. I just knew it took place in Vegas. Well, here's something to say. So I, um, Hostel, the first initial film. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's not one of my favorites, but I like it. Hostel 2, I love it. Yeah. I am a huge fan of Hostel 2 for a lot of reasons. Um, Hostel 3, never seen it. We've never seen it. Okay. I saw, I mean, Hostel 3 came out, it was direct to video. I remember. So it wasn't in theaters or anything like that. And it kind of, I mean, there hasn't been another Hostel film since. I'm pretty sure it just kind of ended the franchise. But I mean, I know, you know, it's a group of friends that go to Vegas for a weekend and they end up being kidnapped and great. Who knows? We still got several days here in Vegas. Maybe we (sighs) will be the stars of Hostel 4. If you don't hear from us. Come, come, come a looking. Come a looking. Come a looking in but Vegas. In Vegas. So that's ho- that was that. So we will be covering Hostel Three. Our I know it's just it's it's a random because we've never we never have covered the first one or the second one. We never covered Leprechaun One or Two. We just jumped right into covering these part threes. But we like keeping you on your toes here at Dark Knight. The and then yeah, after after Hostel Three, then we are back to a film that I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun with. Uh, and we have a special guest we're excited we about. So, guys, this—I mean, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this. Kind of, it was kind of a fun experience recording this together. Yeah, we've never done it. We've never done it. Hopefully, it will not be the last time. Oh, no. oh absolutely. I no. think with the uh, Houston Horror Film Festival, we need to do a live episode. Oh, well, we really—we're talking about doing a live panel episode. And if you're going to be at the Houston Horror Film Festival, 
uh, we encourage you to participate in it. So let us know if you're going to be attending because that will be ammo for us to yes, do it, yes, to do a live. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But guys, we uh, hope you enjoyed this. We are off to find more booze. We're off to find more booze and we're good off to find more dudes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, Troy is. I'm taken. But Troy is. The velvet tongue is on the problem. Haven't had much luck. But. <laughs> but guys, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it was really fun to be able to record in, yes, in person. And yay. Yay. Okay, guys, we're off to the strip. See you post Vegas. Post Vegas. And remember, we want that 30th five-star rating. So if you do it, you better... Bring the snap, snap a pic of it and send it to us and we will definitely make sure you get a shout out. And it's even, it's even better if you actually write a review, but we're just, we just yeah. want to get yeah. the, the rating. We're not being selfish no. at this point. We just want to hit that 30th. But if you do write a review, there's some goodies coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what yet, but we'll figure it out. Just like the leprechaun. Make me shilling. <laughs> All right. We're going to lose some of our shillings now. Oh, no, I've already have. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.